Hello, it is Wednesday, April 14th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Trying something a little different here with the lighting. Um, I didn't like the reflection behind me, and did some reading, did some checking up, and I I don't know if I'm going to be happy with this, so it's a little different. Uh, I think it's I think it might be a little too dark, but we'll see how it goes and adjust as necessary. So next couple of days, just uh, be aware I'll probably be going to be doing some different things with the lighting and trying to get that in in uh, locked in a little better. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, people probably are aren't all that interested in seeing this anyway. All right, so I want to start off with. Let's start off with Conor McGregor's sexual assault case was dropped. TMZ had the news. Um, French Island and Corsica have dismissed the, the case against McGregor. And we're probably going to hear, maybe not in the media, but definitely in the fan uh, fan area and maybe sometime, somewhat in the media, that he was found innocent. But... He was not. And earlier this earlier this week, I said that with this all this press he was doing in media and being so visible that uh, I thought maybe something was going to drop because this is not a rare occurrence where McGregor gets vocal around the times when news breaks that is, let's say, less than favorable to him. So maybe he was a little nervous about this case being uh, the the investigation being wrapped up. I don't know. It wouldn't be a shock because he's done it before. Um, so what the what came of this was that they didn't have enough evidence to move forward. And that is not innocent. That is just that they didn't have enough evidence to move forward, which means they probably wouldn't have gotten a conviction. And this is something we see often in, in criminal cases in that... Um, they might have some evidence, might be, have circumstantial evidence, but the doubt of the conviction makes it not worth it to go forward. I don't know if that's the case, but I think if the case would have been outright cleared, I think the the statement would have been different than not enough evidence to to move forward on. So we'll see. Of course, he de- he denied it. He'll he'll keep his his um, statements of innocence up. But don't be cons- be confused about how this is played in- played out and and how it was worded by the French government. And that not enough evidence, not cleared. So keep that in mind. I guess we'll stay on Conor McGregor here. Um, as you know, there was the whole brouhaha about the donation that never came to Dustin Poirier's foundation and the promise of the of five hundred thousand dollars. Well, it's that promise was made in January. April comes around. Poirier says he tried to contact McGregor Camp three times and was quote unquote ghosted. Didn't get any response. McGregor came out and I think tried to make it seem like there was some vetting going on, but I don't think it would take three months or more to vet something in a, donation-wise. 
And then he said he wanted to know how the money was going to be used. But again, this seems like an excuse to me. I know people who deal with uh, donations, with charity donations, sometimes in multi-millions of dollars. And what you do in that case is you sit down ahead of time and you hash that all out. Because once the donation is made, if there are no restrictions, if there are no stipulations, if there are no naming rights, if there's nothing clear, then the organization is free to do what it wants with that donation. You made no effort to reach out and say, this is how I want it spent. It's my money and this is what I want. And if this charity can't deliver what you want or won't deliver what you want, then you have the right then to say, you know what, let's just scratch this or one side or the other can, can, they can work out a, a resolution. If McGregor wanted to do that, which he does now in April, he should have worked that, inf- that all out in January before he made the claim that he was going to donate $500,000. He did not do that. And so in my mind, at this point saying that he wants to know that, that seems like an excuse. Seems like a cop-out, seems like an excuse, as does though we were vetting it. And keep in mind, even though Poye apologized, the apology to me seems like he's apologizing for putting the business out there. Not that it's not true that the, that that the donation wasn't made because if you listen to McGregor's statement and you listen to McGregor's manager's statement on this, neither of them say the donation was made. The donation was not made, but the stipulations were made when when Poirier put the business out there. So I don't believe that he was going to get this. And I, and I think the only reason he gets it now, if he does get it, is that he pressured McGregor into this. It's Now it's just embarrassment and shame. And if there's stipulations on it, fine. That's stupid at this point because they were made after the fact. But come on, man. You don't, you don't make a promise and take all the good PR for it and then quietly not deliver but still have leave the impression that you did deliver. And that's what McGregor did here. He left the impression that he delivered. He took the good PR. He ran with that good PR. And then when it came out that he did not deliver, he made excuses and he tried to seem like it was Poirier's fault. It's a, that's a bully move. That's a bullshit move. And, and don't fall for it. Now, Poirier was the bigger man here in saying that and apologizing for putting the business in the street. But I don't hear any apology from from McGregor or from Adi Attar saying we apologize for not following through and for not delivering, and we will. I haven't heard that. So keep that in mind. Keep an eye on this because I don't, I don't know what's going on. But it seems like McGregor tried to weasel out and got caught, and somehow or other Poye was made to look bad. Poirier did nothing wrong in this situation. If someone promised you $500,000 and then never delivered it, and then when you called them on it, tried to blame you for not for them not giving you the money they promised you, you'd feel pretty bad. Uh, you'd feel pretty angry at that person. And I think that's what happened here. I think everything Poirier did was justified. I think nothing that Conor McGregor and his team did was justified. If they had not delivered it and we're not going to deliver it, 
that statement should have been made in January, that it was in process pending these things. That didn't happen. So Poirier was the bigger man here apologizing, but I, I've yet to hear McGregor say they're going to deliver. And even if that does happen, I think that delivery of the, the charity is out of shame and out of embarrassment. So we'll see. We'll see. Sean O'Malley seems to be busy calling folks out here. So he called out Petr Jan. He called out Dominic Cruz. His call out of Cruz was kind of funny to me. He said that what what bigger fight was there than, than him? Well, for Dominic Cruz, there are 15 other fights that are bigger than Sean O'Malley. At least 15 other fights because Cruz is ranked ninth. And so the 14 other guys in the top 15 are bigger fights than Sean O'Malley because he is unranked. And the champion is a bigger fight than Sean O'Malley because he's the champion. So there's at least 15 other fighters that are bigger fights than Sean O'Malley for Dominic Cruz. And I don't want to break the news here to Sean O'Malley, but Dominic Cruz in that fight is still going to be the A-side for the majority of, of fight fans. Yes, he's aged. Yes, he is sliding down the rankings a bit, but he's still dominant freaking Cruz. His credentials are established. He's done things that Sean O'Malley is still dreaming about. So, come on now, Sean O'Malley. Dominant Cruz is the A-side, and if you somehow or other get a fight with Petr Jan, he's the A-plus side. There's no one bigger than him other than Aljamain Sterling. So, I don't think Sean O'Malley's ready for either of those fights. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Cruz. I think he would. I think it would be a good fight. I think maybe O'Malley would learn a lesson that less, and that maybe that lesson would sink in. I think he almost learned a lesson in his last fight by trying to get the walk off and trying to get the highlight reel and trying to go viral, which he said was his goal, and. Uh, I don't know if he learned from that. I don't know if he learned that you can't force a viral moment in an MMA fight. If you try, well, you get what Sean O'Malley got, which was your opponent getting up and lasting a lot longer than he should have. So I don't know if that lesson was learned. I guess we'll find out. But I wouldn't mind seeing the Cruz fight. I think the Jan fight is a, is a, a pipe dream. But you can't blame a man for, for at least trying, right? Tony Ferguson had some things to say. And I'm kind of confused by these. And I wish the UFC would respond to at least one of them. Um, he said that he had difficulty. He told, and this was to, um, who said this? Where was this? It was a radio interview, I think. Submission radio. He said that he had... Um, problems getting paid for his insurance after his last fight and he had to make a call with to Dana White to get it paid and I think what it sounded like from his words was that it was standard uh, American health insurance issues more than it was the UFC dragging us out and refusing to pay him what it sounded to me was like he wasn't getting his bills paid or might not have gotten his bills paid or it was pretty unclear what, what the situation there was and that he 
got impatient and then reached out to the UFC and and the bills got paid quickly after that. But if anyone that's dealt with insurance in, in any kind of way knows that the whole goal of insurance is, at least the way I see it, is frustration, trying to break you down, trying to get you to pay more than you should because you're just sick of dealing with it. All those things are built into the American health insurance industry. And I think that is what happened here. I mean, if you know me at all, you know I'm not going to jump to the UFC's defense in any way, shape, or form if it's not um, necessary. But I think I would like to hear the UFC side on this one because it didn't sound like it was anything out of the order. It just sounded like uh, Tony Ferguson was pissed off and and just venting that he didn't get his bills paid as quickly as he would have liked. But if, you, like I said, if you dealt with insurance, you know that is uh, not a rare thing whatsoever. He also said that his frustration was uh, kind of getting to him to the point where he was thinking about boxing because he would make more money in boxing than he is in the UFC. And that's not true. Uh, I... Someone like Tony Ferguson, if he goes to boxing, the only way is he's going to make the money that he thinks he's going to make is if he fights someone like Jake Paul or if he fights some somebody that, I don't want to call it a freak show fight, but it, it would be a curiosity fight. If he wants to fight a real, legit, professional boxer in a real, legit, professional boxing match, he's going to be on the undercard. Because is he a professional boxer? No. And so he starts... Low. He's got some name recognition, but he's not Conor McGregor. I mean, he's not somebody that's going to walk right in and get a fight with Floyd Mayweather. That's just not going to happen. And so he, his dream that he's going to make a lot of money, come on, that's not going to happen. But it's Tony Ferguson, so sometimes you know you kind of got to forgive these zany thoughts because sometimes Tony Ferguson's thoughts are you know they're pretty far out there sometimes, and I think. I think the boxing one is pretty far out there. I think the insurance thing is just frustration. What I think, if I can give him one positive, is that he is changing up his camp. And I think I think it's too late, but I still think it's a good thing. And I think it could work, but I'm not 100% sure because of how long he's been in charge of his own camps. So he said he got too one-dimensional, and that's going to be that's why he's changing things up, and that's a positive. That you know that is a fighter who is I think he's lost two in a row. It's somebody that's taken a step back and said, "What needs to change, or what what could change? What are the, one of the easiest things I could change immediately?" And that is getting a different coach, working on different skill sets, and getting an actual camp because. If you're losing and you're running your own camp, well, you're the guy that's responsible for everything. And so the blame falls on you. And so taking a step and saying, all right, I'm going to get a different coach and maybe have somebody run my camps instead of myself, 100% positive move. Very good move. Um, it's the opposite of selfish. It's being aware and making changes for the better. My fear, though, like I said, is that the changes were made too late for Tony Ferguson to capitalize on them. But it's not like he's a terrible athlete. It's not like he's taken some abrupt downward turn. He's still skilled. 
he's just maybe made that turn towards the downward portion of his career. I don't know. I don't know because with him running his camps and being his own head coach, there's nothing you know, nothing to know because he hasn't had somebody work work him instead of working for himself. So a good move. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what it takes and see where it puts Tony Ferguson. Um, so the UFC is going to be in Florida, Texas, and now Nevada for some pay-per-views. And what I want to do here is look at the numbers and see how those states are faring as far as COVID-19. Let's start at Florida because that's the first uh, where the first event is going to be. And out of those three, I would say that is the destination that is looking the worst. If I'm the UFC right now, I'm looking at possibly moving that event back to the UFC Apex, refunding the tickets, or moving it to Nevada or or Texas. So Florida has a testing positive rate of the over the past month of 9.14%. And it is um, pretty pretty much a flat line. It's going up a little bit. It's 10.2% for the past week. And the World Health Organization recommends two weeks of 5.0% testing positivity or lower. Florida is not going to hit that. Florida is not going to come close to that. Florida is lucky if it's not double that. So the idea that an event should be in Florida and it'll be held safely is a pipe dream at this point. So out of those three states, Florida is probably your worst choice. Texas is doing pretty good. They were at below 5% for a bit in the past seven days. But now again, they're trending up a little, but nothing that would cause, uh, I think, them to to throw an alarm and, and close back up. So Texas, the past month, the positivity rate is 6.12%. Um, past week was 6.95%. And yesterday, they don't have that, that percentage. So it's, it's above the World Health Organization, but the time and... The, the fact that there's only about 19% of the population vaccinated is on their side, I think, for the for the next pay-per-view after 261. So Texas, I would be, if I'm the UFC, I'd be keeping an eye on, but not being alarmed about it. Nevada announced yesterday that they are opening up, and I was pretty shocked by these numbers. Because usually we've seen states, you know, in Texas and Florida opened up. Their numbers weren't anywhere where the World Health Organization would have told them to, to open up. Nevada, on the other hand, is. Nevada, over the past month, 4.17% testing positivity. So they are below the World Health Organization's 5% five, 5 suggestion. The population vaccinated in Nevada is 20.09%. Good. And um, their numbers in their seven-day average this past week, even lower, 4.0%. So Nevada is definitely heading in the right direction. Um, 
So I would th- say if the UFC is holding a pay per view there, I'd, I'd, I don't, I'm not overjoyed because I'm just not, but they're trending in the right direction. And if I had to go with a state to do it right now, I would say Nevada at 4.17% testing positivity and a 20% of the population vaccinated past week, 4.03% in the testing positivity. So good on, uh, good on Nevada. And uh, it looks like they waited the proper amount of time. California, which is not opening and I don't know when they are, but maybe the UFC should start looking there and seeing what the situation is because they have 19.62% of the population vaccinated. The past week, the popu- the testing positivity is 1.53%. And the past month is even lower at 1.39%. So California is looking very good as far as testing positivity goes and being well underneath the World Health Organization suggested. So we'll see what California has happening Maybe I'll reach out there to uh, the commission and see what their plan is. So as far as what's open, you know, you would go Nevada, Texas, Florida. If California opens, you would go there first. And Texas, Nevada, then Texas, and then Florida. But, I mean, I don't understand the Florida push. Just because they were the first to open doesn't mean you have to go there. I would definitely... Stay away from Florida right now if I was the UFC. And I'd keep an eye on Texas, keep an eye on Nevada, and ask California what's going on. Because number-wise that we're looking at here, and these are from John Hopkins, so it's not like it's some kind of made-up number. I mean, I'm going to trust John Hopkins' numbers um, over some other, you know, just some random news source, but... Yeah, I would trust these numbers over almost anything. Um, and again, like I said, I don't like the fact that things are opening up um, when we still have such a low percentage of the population vaccinated. I would still lean towards more, much more, and try and get some kind of herd immunity thing going on, but we're not there. And it doesn't look like we are going to even pursue that in this country. So. The numbers are going decent in some places and not so decent in other places. And Florida is one of those not so not other not going so well. I think the report that I saw yesterday or the day before said that four states have the are the cause of the infections going back up, and Florida was one of those four. So I think it's reckless for the UFC to go to Florida, but Dana White doesn't really give a shit. So who am I to? say that he shouldn't do that but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but definitely keep an eye on it i will definitely keep an eye on it and keep reporting on it and we'll uh we'll see if the ufc backs out of florida i think it's safe to say that they won't i'd be very happy if they did and with that i'm going to call it a night i'll be back tomorrow and until then everyone stay safe 